world. Let me zone. Most wanna hit this microphone. That's how it is. We know how much in the LB fan get motherfucking biz. Going to check. We got the funk, got the spot. Cannabis and eight plus from all sides. Lots. Yo, 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 been gone. Lots of damn. Yo. We come through like bulls, see, this niggas taking two fools and pass. Nigga, watch your back once you talk out to ass. I back a 380 in my stash for protection. Family to raise, the world is acting crazy. I never thought I'd make it, it was hectic when I scramble. On point like a knife, I'm taking life as a gamble. Welcome back. We are back with another edition of the Fantasy 40 Podcast with myself, John Debari, my co-host, Mr. Matt Walker, and as always, brought to you by our friends at Expand the Box Score. So we are continuing on our divisional breakdowns. We wrapped up the AFC, and now we are moving to the NFC, starting with the NFC East. Walk, how are you, and where do you want to start? Doing great, Johnny. Happy to to have you back uh, after your your Florida sojourn and your uh, airport pat down um, situation. <laughs> now we're talking about my my division, the, the NFC East today. So it's a it's exciting to me. You were kind enough to give me my Eagles as well. So I mean, there's going to be this episode is just going to be slathered in bias, <laughs> you know. But I did get Dallas, who so I'd like to take some shots at. But then you also got a certain Washington team that I. I think could be enjoyable as well if I if I know you at all. So I'm good, buddy. How are you? I, th- I thought I had Dallas. I thought I had Dallas and Washington. You do. That's why I said you didn't give me Dallas. Oh, oh, oh. You just the 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 fear that just came across your face was like uh oh was perfection. Yes, I have I Philadelphia it. and New York. I said it's you like didn't I put some giant down. shit together. <laughs> you, you know, I would. I love laying into those cowgirls. So, well, yes, and I, I hope your uh, Philly stuff carries this episode because I had Dallas and Washington, and boy, is the content light there. Yeah, yeah, not not a lot to talk about uh, with those two. I mean, Giants are interesting enough as well, too. So, yeah, this might be a a, a slanted two team episode, but. Why don't uh, Why don't you dive in first with right. uh, one of I'm your gonna go, teams? I'm going to go right to the bottom. I'm going to go with the Washington, uh, formerly Redskins, now Commanders. Could be formerly Commanders soon. <laughs> maybe back to football team. Maybe back to Red Wolves or something else. Uh, Dude, what, they're what, leaning what? into trying to go back to the Redskins. You're saying this? There's like petitions. There's like, I think Ron Rivera's even made like, I have not you seen this. That's in, exciting. You know, like indirect comments towards it. Like, <laughs> this is, it might be going full circle. Like, what Daniel Snyder's out. Now everyone's fine with everything Washington. It's like, okay, do whatever you want. We were just we were just busting his balls because we hate him and we wanted him out. So, if you guys want to go back, I, knock yourselves out. I, I did not see that phenomenon. I know what I'm oh, yeah. Googling as soon as we're done here today. Oh, yeah. Get in there. Oh. What a, I mean, even with the new owner, that is oh, one of the worst franchises in professional sports. All right. So to the Washington football team commanders, they – Pot's light here. In free agency, they lost Taylor Heineke and Carson oh. Wentz, J.D. McKissick, who, you know, had some PPR relevancy – and Cam Sims, not a big deal. Um, but who they added? Jacoby Brissett and Byron Pringle. So not very active bringing anybody in, especially on a team that nobody really thinks of as a uh, 
offensive juggernaut. Uh, could have probably hit the market a little harder. I don't know what their cap situation is, but I mean, really didn't do anything. They bring Brissette in kind of as the veteran to compete with. Uh, name totally just lost Sam my Howell. brain. Thank you, sir. Sam Howell, former UNC uh, product. Um, but yeah, I mean, didn't do anything in free agency. Didn't really lose much either. Kind of bringing back the same team they had a year ago, which really didn't do much. So it's kind of, a weird thing to see them not do anything. This offense could use some help. So with the defense, whole team kind of stinks, could use some help. So in the draft, they must have attacked some offense, tight end heavy draft class this year. Guys all over the board, start to finish, tight end uh, fantasy potential producers. You and I loved a bunch of these guys. They have Logan Thomas and John Bates and uh, a couple of other deep dive stashes that we like here. Did they address the position in the draft? No, 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 no. Not at all. First round, took a cornerback. Second round, went back to the well, cornerback again. Third round, took a center. Fourth round, took a guard. So first four picks of the draft, two uh, corners, two offensive linemen. In the fifth, they came back defensive. And in the sixth, they finally took someone on offense. uh, And, of course, muddied the water some more, bringing in another running back with Chris Rodriguez, who – I think I could have liked if he landed in a better spot, but yeah, here with competing with Brian Robinson and our guy, Antonio Gibson kind of really dings his value because we do like them. Well, you don't like Robinson. I I, I think he is better real life than he is for fantasy, but Washington seems to like him. So that kind of makes our opinion on him irrelevant because they like to use him. Uh, and then in the seventh, they went back and took another defensive end. So even in the draft, nothing happened here for fantasy. In the trade market, they did absolutely nothing either. So kind of a big <clears throat> dud across the board here for Washington. They were a shitty team a year ago. They did nothing that would indicate they won't be a shitty team again this year. Vegas has their win total at uh, kind of depends which where you're looking, but it looks like it seems to be seven in most places. You had them at five. I had them where they belong as a poverty franchise at three wins. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming around a little bit on that five. I, I think seven's a good number for them. You know, I, I don't think they're this, as bad as you were painting them out to be. And number two, I don't think BM is going to be okay with Brian Robinson commanding the bulk of the the carries in this offense. I just don't. Uh, he's just, he's not explosive. Uh, he's, he's not, he wasn't in college either. I'm not, you know, with the, the gunshot and recovering all that was, that was unbelievable. You know, just even get back on the field, just, you know, more power to him, but I wasn't impressed with him in at Alabama when he was there for like 16 years. So I'm not going to act like he's gotten any better in the pros. So <clears throat> I could see Antonio Gibson still rocket ship. I, I think because Rodriguez is a threat to Brian Robinson. At the end of the day, and what I didn't do a lot, they they invested a lot into the line. I mean, their cornerbacks were terrible, and that's why they went heavy in the draft. But three free agent signings across their line, and Andrew Wiley, Trent Scott, Nick Gates, like even Tyler Larson, re-signed there. They they knew they had some problems uh, on their offensive line. They love defensive linemen. They paid Deron Payne out the ass after franchise tagging them. So they're going trenches out, which is like an Eagles mantra. And I'm kind of on board. I wonder if they really didn't do a lot of big free agency moves because of the transition in ownership. Um, and also as long oh, as I'm sure that, yeah. you know, don't, don't overspend sit on your hands. 
you know, yeah, we need a backup court, a veteran backup and sign some, resign some of our guys and blah, 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 and this and that. But, you know, don't, don't go opening the, the checkbook for, for the next owner before he could sign off on this shit. So it was an interesting off season for them. <clears throat> um, I, I kind of believe Sam Howell. Sam Howell was my, my second quarterback in last year's class. I mean, his fall was epic. Um, but the little bit I saw and the little bit of training camp gives me this little glimpse of hope that they could be a better team this year just because of better quarterback play than they were a year ago. And I, I think, you know, you, you mentioned a little bit of that, um, what they did to rebuild their offensive line. And, you know, we've seen other teams kind of do the opposite. <laughs> they, they have a, a, a rookie quarterback or a guy with very little experience and they don't put the pieces in place around him to give him a, a, a place to succeed. I think they're giving Howell the best chance possible for him to be good. And I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I liked him coming out. He has everyone fell in that class. I mean, he wasn't unique to him. So to see him get end up here where people had him projected just drafted far earlier last year or what, two years ago. Um, it, He's got everything going. It, it couldn't possibly be going better for him. So, yeah, if he doesn't hit the ground running and look decent enough this year, even if Brissett ends up getting the nod to start the year, which I think would be a giant mistake, you got to get him in there and see what you've got. I, I think they have a, a good path for him to succeed long term, even though uh, they, they didn't give him many weapons, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I mean they 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 swung and missed with tight end. I mean that's that's clear. Logan Thomas isn't the answer. Neither are these these backups. As much as I might like Cole Turner's a deep sleeper, you know he's he's not a <laughs> he's not a franchise changer at the position. And there were some in this draft class yeah. that, that could have been had outside of round one, um, potentially even round two. Um, you know, like a Tucker Craft, even as a third round pick, going in there and competing for snaps. You know, bringing Look, some youth. Even- at the position, I mean, our, our guy Zach Koontz, they could they could have got him in, you know, the seventh and had him kind of a longer term developmental guy. Yeah, I mean, why some teams don't just fall back on traits at that point is beyond me. Um, or just pure athleticism is um, is crazy. But nonetheless, Washington bottom of the barrel. I agree. I think they are the the fourth team. <laughs> in the East this year, but I do think better days are ahead. Big Josh Harris fan, you know, with my Sixers and all, and he just, he's willing to do what it takes to get it done. You know, stable leadership, you know, top down when there's a rot. I mean, it's rotten to the core and Daniel Snyder was rotten. So uh, better days are ahead uh, for Washington. So I will go one step up the ladder. Uh, I'm working from the bottom up and I will go to those New York fighting giants. What did they do? They, they're interesting. Uh, interesting offseason. They they gave Daniel Jones the bag four years, $160 million, only because they backed themselves into a corner by not picking up his fifth-year option. They they brought this upon themselves. He played well enough that they weren't able to secure a quarterback in this draft, and they had to pay him. So lesson learned. If you're going to draft the quarterback in the first round, be prepared to pick up the fifth-year option. I mean, it's it's far cheaper to pay him what, like $25 million than it is yeah. to give him <laughs> this four year, $160 million contract. But that's the going rate for quarterbacks. Now he's cheap. He's super cheap now. 40 million is nothing. 
Yeah, we yeah. we got multiple quarterbacks north of fifty million already, and that number will be in the sixties probably a year from now uh, with like Mahomes or Burrow when, you know, when he signs. I mean, that's he'll be cheap. It will be a cheap deal when it's all said and done. But he's also <clears> a league <throat> average quarterback, so still still too expensive. Saquon Barkley ended up getting franchised when they signed Daniel Jones to the long term extension. He didn't like it. Um, he pouted a little bit, and they dangled this carrot in front of him and. He decided to run towards it uh, with a million dollars in incentives that are all tied to them making the playoffs, which, spoiler alert, I don't think they're a playoff team. So <laughs> he got nothing additional in, in this deal. He just signed his franchise tag, which they all are ultimately going to do. Pollard went ahead and signed it right away. That dude wasn't going to complain about shit. Barkley got thrown a, a theoretical million dollar carrot and he signed it. Josh Jacobs is just going to hold out as long as humanly possible so he doesn't have to come to camp. And then he's going to sign it as well. And he's going to take his payday. That's spoiler alert. We're not talking about the, the Raiders today, but it's happening. No one's sitting out anymore in the NFL because you can't accrue your year. So many reasons why this will not happen. It's, you know, it's this stance for nothing with the running back position. You know, we're watching it play out with Jonathan Taylor now and Jim Irsay in social media. It's you running back has no control. Yeah, it's just you are the stepchild of the NFL. Or you're just going to have to accept it. So one more year, Saquon. And the agreement also included that they can tag him again. There was nothing in the, whatever they agreed to that said they wouldn't tag him again next year. So what did he get? Literally, he got nothing to sign this deal. Like I would at least have pushed to say, fine, you just can't franchise me again next year. Like That's See, all I, I want. I don't, I'll take the I deal. You can't franchise me again. And they're like, no. We'll do what we you want. Know, that that franchise tag number is already you know set in stone. So if you get tagged, you know that what you're going to be making. I don't get why, and who knows what kind of negotiations went on. But right, like for him, wouldn't you try to get a three year deal where you know whatever you get tagged? I don't know the number off the top of my head. Let's just say year one is eleven, and then year two is fourteen for running backs. I have no idea if I'm even close there. But, like, wouldn't you do a three-year deal with – so if, if the franchise right there is $25 million those first two years, you just make them guarantee you $27 because that's what they're going to fucking pay you on the tag anyway. So you get the little bit of security having a third year because you're agreeing to just a million more each year in theory. Seems like that would be an easy – go around where everyone would be happy because if they're going to tag you twice, they already know they have to spend X amount of dollars. So why? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's a very confusing situation. Yeah. So the way it looks is if he maxes out his restructured deal, if he, if they make the playoffs, he hits all those benchmarks and gets his 11 million, his franchise tag value next year would be 13.2 million. So it'd be 24.2 over two years. What I can tell you is the, the team would rather go year to year knowing that they hold this chip. So why would we want to guarantee you 13 mil next year if you tear your ACL this year? There's no value to the team to agree to that three-year deal, which just lets them off the hook in year three. Zero. That's why it won't happen. They're like, uh, no, unless you're willing to accept like guaranteed money for below market value. Then yes, like they probably came at him with like a two year, like a three year, like twenty mil guaranteed type deal, which plays out through like two years where they know that they're 
potentially getting a value in 24 for that security. They're not going to say, well, sure, Saquon. We were planning on spending 24.2 mil on you over the next two years. So we'll give you 27 on a three-year deal. And then we're just going to cut you in year three. Talk yeah. about what a shithole operation the NFLPA is. Yeah. But listen, <laughs> they sacrificed the running back position. That's what they did. And no one's talking about it. Everyone's like, let's renegotiate. Let's do an addendum. We hate Jim Mercy. Jim Mercy's a drugged up dope, but what he said isn't incorrect. This is a collectively bargained agreement. Everyone knew what was happening. Everyone. I can't believe they signed a fucking, wasn't it a 10-year deal? This doesn't get renegotiated until 2030. They Whatever suck. it is, right? And that part of, you know, the bargaining was that this franchise tag stays around for this exact reason. For this exact reason. So you don't have to commit long-term to a player. And they have no control. You know, it's not our fault that running back position is only like five or six years in the league. You know, either stay in college and make NIL money or accept that your rookie deal is probably the bulk of money you're going to make in your NFL career as a running back. It's, well, and it's unfortunate, but them. it's the truth. And they fucked them, too, when they switched the, you know, the way they paid the rookies. The veterans that were in charge of the NFLPA obviously didn't like seeing new guys oh, come yeah. in getting. See Sam Bradford bigger. coming in making like $100 million yes. <laughs> for nothing. Yeah, I mean, which makes <sighs> sense. You shouldn't get paid. Before you've shown anything on an NFL field, you don't get paid for, for past production. And that's what it was previously. Now it's slotted. You're right. So it skews more towards the veterans. But again, it just totally folks the old running back right there. Even if you're a first round pick, you're a value by like year two or year three, if you're any good. You're cheap at that point. And then they're still looking at you going, okay, and now we just hold these tags, you know, where we can run you through. You know, they can fifth your option a first round pick and then franchise tag them twice. We got you seven years. But after year five, we're year to year proposition for you. And at the end of it, it's like, yeah, we paid you like $50 million for seven years, which is a lot of fucking money. Don't get me wrong. But when you're seeing like average receivers getting like $12 million a year contracts, right? Or more. And you're seeing these running backs that are play in, play out, you know, sacrificing far more for like, Five and a half million dollars a year, but it's also because they get hurt all the time. It all makes sense. It's sad. It, all, it makes total sense, and it's not going to change. All, on topic with this, but off topic for what we're doing here. Okay, your son, my son, our our sons are good college running backs. You no, just push nope. them to play five years, right? You stay in now with that nil money. You you have no incentive to come out early, right? Two things. That statement will never be true because I will never allow my son to play the running back position. If he's that athletic enough, he's playing receiver. That's it. End of story. Or you're going to the secondary. Safety. Son. Yeah, yeah, you're going to the secondary. <laughs> you're not playing running back. I don't give a shit. You know, if you're not under center taking those handoffs, <laughs> I don't want you anywhere in that backfield. Yeah. No, it's parents don't let your kids grow up to be running backs. But yes, conversely, yeah, the alternative is stay in school forever and probably make more money and have more fun as a college running back than the rigors of the NFL, <clears> right? That's why I, I'm I, saying, like, some of these guys, like, you're dab we're dabbling around in Debbie now. Like, what's the draw anymore for, like, a, a Nicholas uh, Singleton at Penn State who's a sophomore, probably making a million dollars this year? Don't know anything about NIL, but I'm going to assume a top-end running back like that, seven-figure right. possibility. Oh. Why the fuck is he going to leave Penn State? Because by his senior year, he's he's making two, three million 
potentially, or he transfers to somewhere that will pay him two to three million to play college football. It's yeah, I mean, that's the biggest liability of the NIL is that running backs just will stay in school forever. Because yeah, they know they, they're uh, just getting one contract in the NFL. So what do they care if they're like Najee Harris and they walk into the NFL at 23 years old, 24 years old? They're just getting one contract. So they already made $5 million in college. You know, it's it's a no-brainer in my opinion. But yes, totally off topic. Are you looking up something or are we going to get back on this NFCs there? Go ahead. I, I, I'm just yeah. going to spit yeah, out a I mean, stat so the when Saquon I find it, thing, it's a We'll get back to this. Interesting <laughs> test case. But, you know, that... uh. That running back uh, conference call that Austin Eckler set up sure, sure really uh, was worthwhile for, for all these guys. Like, what do they all get on a call and go, what the fuck do we do now? And they were all like, well, well nothing. Yeah. It's, it's in the CBA. We report. I That's hear. what we do. <laughs> we play it Here's out. Here's what I was, I was looking up to see what some of the highest NIL money is. I, oddly enough, this is a, a year old, so I don't even have a, a, a super accurate one. LeBron James is, uh, Currently, yeah. heart attack having son is the highest NIL guy, which is fucking crazy. Which is he's getting the money just because he's his dad's son. Just because he's seven yeah, selling tickets. Yeah. Seven point five million a year as a freshman. Uh, some other basketball player three point six million. Arch Manning three point five million <laughs> as a true freshman at University of Texas. He ain't even fucking playing this year. Bryce <laughs> Young falls on his face. Yeah, Bryce Young was making three point five million. Yeah, I mean, so that's the standard for top end. Caleb Williams three point two. Yep, another US. Uh, he, here's here's a weird one. I'll just stop here at six. This is a good spot to stop. Uh, LSU gymnast Olivia Dunn, uh, Instagram TikTok hot chick, two point seven million. Good Enough said. Her. Jesus. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go down this running back rabbit hole soon and see what like Quinchon Judkins and Nicholas Singleton and Raheem Sanders and Braylon Allen and all are making and be like financially doesn't make any sense for them to declare for the NFL draft. There's gonna be a year where it's like there's no there's no running backs. <laughs> there's no one to talk about. The running and I think group. it's gonna start screwing up, you know, what we've done for years in Dynasty, which is look at these early declares and breakout age, and this guy's young and he comes in the league and he, you know, the older guys only didn't go to the league because they weren't good enough when they were younger. There's going to be tons of guys who are good enough, but that are making business well, decisions. Yeah, why yeah. leave? Yeah. But, I mean, it does. It makes no sense to leave, given the current CBA. And to your point of, if it's a ten-year deal, it's not changing any anytime soon. I mean, the incoming freshmen are still going to be fucked by it. <laughs> like, easy. You know, four years yeah, from now. Seven years. Seven future, years. A freshman now is four, yeah. four years in college, three years in the NFL before he can fucking hope. Yeah. Tenth, tenth graders are currently being jobbed by the NFL CBA. That's so the tenth, tenth grade running backs. What a world. Getting get a whole proverbial rug pulled out from under them. But. Ah, we dude, we probably need to just do a, just a, another podcast on this because we're figuring it all out. But back to these giants, you know, off of Saquon Barkley is what it is. Um, now that he's signed, he's in camp. He's back to you know probably a top five running back this year. But he did fade down the stretch last year, given his usage, which is probably also why the Giants don't want to commit to him long term. His workload, he's already missed the whole year with a complex knee injury. He gets dinged up. He faded at the end of last year. You now I I. Don't disagree. I, I hate that, you know, you see like Twitter's, you know, 
or you, you're siding with the billionaires or the millionaires. I'm like, it's a, it's business. You dipshits. Like it's, I'm not siding with anyone. I'm giving my opinion based upon a business decision. And if I own the giants, I would be doing the same thing they're doing. Yeah. So it, it, it's not siding with anyone. It's just being logical. Like it's at the end of the day, this is the best decision for a team. The worst thing they did was draft Saquon in the first round. That, that was the problem. That's what created this issue because he did nothing for that team win loss wise over his rookie deal. I mean, that's, this is why you, you draft and then ultimately pay players is because they're difference makers. Unfortunately, the running back position isn't a difference maker in, in the NFL. I mean, it's been proven time and time again. Yeah. Off of that soapbox, Paris Campbell, one year deal. Like it. Jameson Crowder signed Sterling Shepard re-signed one year deal. Darius Slayton, two year, $12 million deal. Isaiah Hodgins re-signed there. Darren Waller trade. Think they noticed there was a problem, and it's that their wide receiver core was like absolute, you know, CFL level last year, where Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James were their clear best wide receivers. And this was on a team that had your boy Kenny Galladay just soaking up cash on the sideline all season. So they're still in a bad way at the wide receiver position. They, you know, they went and drafted Jalen Hyatt at 310. They also got Eric Gray at 538. They still don't have an alpha on that team. It's Darren Waller's the alpha, right? And he's looked apart in training camp and all that. And it's it's training camp. I mean, it's made to make offenses look fantastic, but he's just been off injured the last couple of years. And building your offense around that guy is questionable as well. But at least they got the bell ringer behind them. Daniel Bellinger, who's just primed to break out and break bones this year if he gets the chance. So ton of B-level receivers that don't really mean shit for fantasy, dynasty fantasy football at this point in time. Where did they get to? They had, 20, they had nine wins in 22. They were a playoff team. They beat the Vikings, as I think everyone in their playoff pools had predicted them to do because it was the Vikings. But that was the end. <laughs> it was the end of the road for those Giants. Their 2023 projected win total is currently set at over seven and a half and minus 110 by Caesars. So they are already dropping those Giants right back down to that league average, you know, eight and nine, seven and 10 type team. And, and I believe that's where they are. I think they ran so pure last year with, you know, just the bounce of the ball and, you know, going for it and, you know, letting it all hang out and all that type of stuff. And it always just, it just seemed to work for them. More often than not. Well, that pendulum swings every single year. And I think they're, they'd be lucky to get the nine wins this year. I, you're going to tell me where I had them, but I think the seven and a half is a pretty solid number. I think they're a seven or eight win team when it's all said and done. Because um, they didn't get significantly better this offseason. I, I already said they backed themselves into a corner with Daniel Jones, who at least from a fantasy perspective has rushing upside. This cast of receivers is better than he had last year. He still does have Saquon for another year. So I think Daniel Jones for a team that I don't think is going to be good presents top 10 quarterback upside this year. I have him in the Scott fishbowl, which already seems like a lifetime ago. And I was pleased with that pick <laughs> of him as my QB too in that league. The one thing didn't reference in the draft, they did sign John Michael Schmitz in the second round, 226 draft him. Wiley considered a top center in a draft, and that was a position in need for them. So I do respect them for filling some gaps. It's going to be an upgrade to the offense overall, even though it's not a skill position player. There's no difference makers at wide receiver. 
already referenced Darren Waller. He's missed 14 games in the last two seasons and will turn 31 next month. I mean, that's just doesn't read well. I mean, past injury, I don't know that is necessarily predictive of future injury, but he has been consistently injured. This guy is an ex-addict, so he doesn't take some of the painkillers that are prescribed to these guys so that they can function and operate you know, with injuries and continue to play. I mean, that's something I read a while ago and it really just resonated with me that it's like, yeah, that's, that's a factor uh, into, into all this. So while he has like top three tight end upside, he also has like plays three games upside, you know, or sorry, downside to his game. So giants to me are, you know, they, they are going to fall short of the bar that they both set for them last year. Well, yeah, you you mentioned the seven and a half win total perfectly placed for you and I. I had him at seven. You have him at eight. (laughs) Perfect. And and I would be shocked if they hit nine. And that's only one game over where I projected them at. They're not a 10-win team. They're more likely a six-win team than a 10 if we're talking about the seesaw. So that's seven, eight. I think that's perfect. And I won't be a playoff team, which you know what means Saquon Barkley sees zero dollars of that extra one million dollars in contract incentives that he signed this year it doesn't matter if he rushes for 1300 yards doesn't matter if he scores 10 touchdowns doesn't matter if he catches i think it's like 65 balls he can do all of that if they're an eight win seven eight win team at the end of the day it's just stats did they ball win coach of the year i i don't recall i I think he did if you asked me to guess i would say yes yeah if yeah if they win 10 if they win 10 or more, he should, unless there's something else unforeseen league-wide, I think he, I mean, why not? <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll see what some of these I, Yeah. I had uh, Washington, the giant disappointment first, and now I'm going with another dud. I got two zilches here. The Dallas Cowboys, who mm-hmm. in free agency this year, for fantasy purposes, added Ronald Jones. And that concludes Who just my... picked up a two game two game PED suspension. Oh, I missed it. Like that was even necessary. Like that's going to be his excuse why they cut him. <laughs> so that was it. That was the only offensive skill position player they added in free agency this year. Is arguably one one of our least favorite running backs of all time. Uh, but no, he's, what did he's they? He's not good. He's just not good. I mean, I don't no. even know it has to be like least favorite. We were just right. Ronald Jones is not a good football player. What did what did they lose in free agency? Well, they lost Dalton Schultz, who I think is uh, was an important part of that offense. They lost Noah Brown, who from time to time, you know, plugged in and had a role periodically here and there. Uh, and Ezekiel Elliott still not with the Cowboys, not with anyone else. They, you know, that carrot keeps dangling out there that he may be back with Dallas, but until it is official, he is a Technically a loss for them, someone who is no longer on the team. And they traded away Brandon Cooks. So, no, <laughs> Cooks they gone, four. Schultz gone. No, they traded, gone. Four, they traded for Brandon Cooks. I'm sorry, I said it backwards. Yes. yes. Brought in Brandon Cooks from Houston. But, yeah, I mean, they really didn't take any steps on offense to make this team better. I think they still need some depth in the running back room. I'll get to the draft in a second for them, but we like Pollard. And I think uh, what's his name? Malik Davis behind him is also okay. And, but I don't think 
Davis is better than even the corpse of, of Zeke that we saw out there. They could add some depth, I think, to help him. Um, but there's not a lot of guys out there. I mean, what do you do? Bring in Fournette, who's more or less equal to Zeke at this point, and probably not as good a blocker. All right. In the draft, first round, they took a defensive tackle. Second round, uh, 27th pick, they took Luke Schumacher, tight end, who gained steam, I think, throughout the draft process. He, to me, is a much better real-life NFL tight end than he is going to be for fantasy. I think Ferguson is still the guy to own there for fantasy purposes. Third round linebacker, fourth round defensive end, fifth round an offensive tackle. Sixth round, they took a cornerback. And then with their second sixth round pick, Deuce Vaughn, uh, one of the smallest running backs in this year's class, whose father is on the Dallas scouting staff, I believe. Mm-hmm. Vaughn isn't the guy who's coming in to pick up any work. He's just undersized. I don't see what kind of role he can have at the NFL level. We've seen these undersized running backs come in and be giant disappointments. I mean, it would be a great story if he could turn into something, but I don't see him taking any work from Davis and Pollard right now. And if they bring Zeke back, which is still a possibility, I don't think Vaughn even Vaughn has a chance of landing on the practice squad. Then in round seven, someone named Jalen Brooks, a wide receiver, which I'm always fascinated uh, by a lot of these guys whose names I've never heard because (laughs) we dig through pages and pages of these fucking guys. So for when, when these guys sneak through at the end, I mean, it's not like it's a third round pick like we've seen in some years. Hello Raiders. <laughs> but you know, it, it is interesting to see these guys who are totally off the radar, at least in the fantasy community, end up getting some draft capital, even though it's not good draft capital, but Overall, yeah, not really impressed with what Dallas did for a team that seems to be in win-now mode. I don't think any of their moves pushed them over the edge. A year ago, they managed to win 12 games. Vegas has them at nine and a half, uh, which is close to where you had them, right at nine. And for a team I don't like, somehow I had them at 12, which seems to happen to me every time we do these (laughs) win-loss projections. But, yeah, I, I, I thought this was one of the more disappointing off seasons for any team we've done so far. Yeah. I mean, congratulations to Jalen Brooks. He can tell his grandkids that he was drafted. He was selected by the Dallas Cowboys uh, in the NFL draft, but that is the last time his name will be uttered on this fantasy football centric podcast ever. Luke Shoemaker both like him, but yeah, old for a prospect. He's been 25 this year. Uh, I mean, just, Super athletic, but also, you know, taken before some of the other guys that I just like more. I mean, a second round pick on someone that they hope is you know, like a Jason Witten light type clone. And I mean, it's just, he's not a game changer. You're right. He's probably a better NFL tight end than he will ever be fantasy. But is that worth a second round pick? I don't know. I think one of the selling points for him is he was my opinion and what the what the fuck do i know but i think he's one of the more pro ready tight ends in this group like he can probably come in and, and and you know day one and actually get some decent snaps uh compared to some of the other guys that need a little more development you know again does that necessarily translate to fantasy production absolutely not but it will get him on the field more than other guys but is he on the field to, yeah, yeah. Is he on the field to block or is he 
Yeah, he went to Michigan run-based offense. Like it, yeah, it certainly makes sense. Lance Airline had him as a round two or three pick, compared him to Dawson Knox, who we're both fans of. And his first sentence was versatile combination, tight end capable of performing a variety of tasks in one, two, or three tight end sets. Like, yes, he's 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 hashtag good at football. You know, he's like he's gonna do what you want him to do. He's gonna be technically sound, but from a fantasy perspective, somewhat somewhat lacking. So yeah, it's uh Dallas is going to be interesting. No more Kellen Moore there. Uh, you know, our boy Mike McCarthy is taking more control of things. So, I mean, what could possibly go wrong there? I mean, this is this is going to be an interesting year in Dallas. Dak has already said, like, he's not going to throw 10 picks this year. And then he's, like, comically thrown, like, several terrible interceptions in camp already, which I get it in camp. You, like, test things a little bit. But don't make the I'm not going to throw 10 interceptions statement before camp starts. If you're If you're going to do that type of thing, I just... You know. what was the quote I'm not going to throw 10 or did he say not more than 10 because if he throws if he throws 15 he could go I told you I wasn't throwing I'm 10. not gonna throw 10 I mean he, he probably you know given those cowboys you know they probably are using liberal use you know open for interpretation so that would be would be an interesting factoid to uh, go back and revisit this year when he does throw more than 10 interceptions but nonetheless you know they could go you know, Good. Quick question for you. Uh, so they, they win 12 last year. Vegas has them nine and a half. Let's say they go over and win 10, 10 more likely than not gets them in the playoffs. Let's say they win eight and eight and nine, right? That's a new trying to do the stupid math now with this extra game. It's a new eight, nine probably doesn't get you into the playoffs. Is McCarthy sure. out? Uh, eight, nine could in the NFC, but it shouldn't. Likely doesn't. There's a world. I mean, eight and nine is going to probably win the division in the South, but not either here or there. No, he's he's got to stay of execution. I think. I, I think Ooh, another year. Short of like shit the bed. Short of totally bottoming out. And now, yeah. like the the crosshairs are on him. You know, as far as the offense is concerned, because see, that's why I think probably. he's fucked if it, they don't. Oh, listen, it, 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 they're going to regret keeping him and letting go of Kellen Moore. I think it's ultimately <laughs> the, the long game here, but that's fine with me. I mean, continue to make the wrong decisions, Dallas. And I'll, just, I'll be okay with it. All right. From them to the class of the NFC East, the beasts of the NFC East, if you will, my Philadelphia Eagles. Ah, I'm just going to, I'm just going to rattle through this. We, we went on a very <laughs> wide tangent. Jalen Hurts got the bag. Five years, $255 million extension. Everyone who listens to this podcast knows I was skeptical of Hurts. Said he needed to progress as a passer. The Eagles thought that way as well. They were securing additional draft capital in the event that they had to go in a different direction. So anyone that says otherwise doesn't know shit about football. Well, he's proven it. He got the bag. I'm all in. He's a fantasy football just juggernaut. And he's in his prime with weapons galore. Ironically enough, better weapons than you know past quarterbacks of Philadelphia have ever seen in their entire lives with AJ Brown and Devonta Smith and even Dallas Goddard. I mean, just three bona fide elite pass catching options in this offense. Plus, he brings the rushing upside. Then they go and get Marcus Mariota on a one year deal. Makes sense. Gardner Minshew went to start in Indianapolis, so why not backfill him with a mobile veteran like Mariota? Makes total sense. One year deal. He hopefully never sees the field for the Eagles, and then we'll find another one-year rental at backup quarterback again. Went and got my boy Rashad Penny, gave him a one-year cheap 
deal, only like 600K guaranteed of his like one point whatever million. Boston Scott got a one-year deal. He got $2 million. I mean, he's Philly dude, so they gave him a little more love than Penny, but still like the Penny signing. They acquired DeAndre Swift via trade because the Detroit Lions hate him, and it's yeah, becoming abundantly clear that he is not well thought of by that organization. Practice habits, things of that nature. But he's a Philly kid, bringing him back home. Great trade for the Eagles, just adding more depth to that backfield. They go and sign Ole Miti Zacchaeus to add a little bit to the wide receiver room. Fun fact, DeAndre Swift and Ole Miti Zacchaeus were teammates in Philadelphia in high school. So there's a full coming back home uh, aspect to, to both of those guys. I happen to like both players. And then lastly, Dan Arnold, dirty Dan Arnold gets signed to a one-year deal as well. When Dallas got it went down last year, we pretty much didn't have the tight end position anymore. Jack Stoll was pretty much run blocking. Grant Calzatara was on the field here and there. It, the tight end mm. position just got eliminated from the offense once once uh, Goddard went down. Arnold is a suitable replacement short term. Bonafide pass catcher can stretch the seam, things of that nature. I think that was a, a great under the radar signing for the Eagles because it was a huge liability for us last year when uh, Dallas Goddard got injured. In the draft, what did they do on offense? Nothing. They just love defense. Georgia, Georgia player. Where are you Another Georgia player. Is there anyone Georgia players? We're going to trade up. Kaylee Ringo, another Georgia player. Um, Tanner McKee at 6'11". Strange selection. Um, you, you typically see teams go in the molds of their starters, especially long-term. They just extended Hurts with backups. Scheme consistent. That's not Tanner McKee. He's a big old statue. Don't know why they spent a six-round pick uh, on him. Like you were talking about, like, why that? Like, go get Dorian Thompson uh, Robinson, or is his fucking name. The, you know, go get that guy. If you're just going to do a draft a developmental quarterback I mean, on day three, not Tanner McKee. Totally lost me. I don't know that he even makes the team when it's all said and done. So why use a six-round pick on him? They won 22 games. Would have won more if Jalen Hurts didn't get hurt last year. Win total projected at over 11.5 plus 105 over 11.5 for the Eagles. As stated, I'm completely utter and biased, but they came up just short of lifting a second Lombardi in my lifetime. And I'm just I'm just here for it. Stay in the pocket, keep punching away. They fortified the O and D lines in in the draft. They went and got Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, and then um Tyler Steen, you know, for for depth on the O-line. Brown Ringo and Ajomo are all upside guys in rounds three or later. Running back room last year was Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gamewell, Boston Scott, Trey Sermon. Running back room this year. Rashad Penny, DeAndre Swift, Kenneth Gamewell, Boston Scott. The running back room got upgraded this offseason. The rich get injury, richer. Right? The rich get richer. I already talked about Dan Arnold. A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, in my opinion, arguably the best wide receiver duo in the NFL. I only think Miami and Cincinnati have an argument, you know, have a point to argue when it's all said and done. Um Eagles will become the first back-to-back NFC East division champ in 18 years. And it's really? they did it for four years from 2021 to 2004. 2004 is the last time an NFC East team went back-to-back winning division, and it was my Eagles during the Andy Reid, Donovan McNabb stretch. It's now become like this running joke. Or it's, I mean, it's not even a joke. It's fact. 18 years, teams have not won the East back to, the NFC East back-to-back. Curse broken again by my Eagles. I think they handily win this division, barring massive injuries. Yeah, win total. You mentioned uh, eleven and a half. You had him at thirteen. Your 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 team at thirteen. 
I went a step above and had him at 14. I like him even more. <laughs> like, yeah, I can't. Their off season and and the way the draft fell to them, and just you know, you mentioned Swift coming in there, just the way everything shook out in Detroit, and they had to unload him. And yeah, Philly just fucking kicked the shit out of this off season as a as a non Eagles fan. It was it's even <laughs> a thing of beauty to watch. I mean, yeah, they took what was the, the you know looking at records and, and what the results were last season, the best team in the NFC. And they are, I think, significantly better than they were a year ago. And I don't know anyone else in the NFC that got much better, you know, re- relative to what Philly did. So they were already head and shoulders above everybody else. And I think they're even, you know, down to the waist now, waist up above everyone. They really... They had an, an amazing run having, you know, Carter fall to them, which I'll get into on our next episode when we talk about the awful bears and their stupid decisions. But yeah, yeah. I just I mean, the Eagles they, ran as pure as humanly possible, like Poland spring pure. Uh, <laughs> year. And listen, they lost a lot. Hargraves was big in the middle for us. Our secondary took a hit losing Chauncey Gardner, Johnson and uh, Marcus Epps. You know, even our linebackers, we lost both starting linebackers, but it was all planned for. Nicobe Dean sat and learned. It's ridiculous. And, you know, I mean, they 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 found something in Blankenship, then they went and drafted um, Sidney Brown. I ultimately think Keely Ringo is going to be a safety. They were able to keep not only Darius Slay, but re-sign James Bradbury when everyone assumed he was gone. They brought Kelsey mm-hmm. back for another year. They brought Cox back for another year. Like, Howie's just keeping the core pieces together and then continuously loading this young talent right back on top of things. It's like the key positions, offensive and defensive line. You know, I just, he's, it's, it's just, it's been, it's been beautiful. Chef's kiss. Suck it. East. <laughs> you guys are all playing for the wild card. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's hard to, hard to disagree at all. So that's a good place to wrap this up. Looking at the East. We'll be back in, uh, next week with the North. Not, not nearly as uh, top heavy there to, to say it, to put it mildly, but That'll do it for us, for myself, John Debari, my co-host, Matt Walker, and our friends at Expand the Box Score. We are the Fantasy 40, and we are out of here. Fly, Eagles, fly on the road to victory. They're the biggest reason you can't get comfortable. But yeah, I used to always get the exit roasted. It was fine. And then, um, yeah, I'll always sit next to one of my kids. And then I put their shit, their dumb carry on in front of my seat. But then I sit diagonal so I could at least get the extra angled angled leg room. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be some benefit to having kids, right? Taxes and well, it's not no, even no, that. but it's not. It's, it's not even that good a tax break anymore. Well, one year it was, but that's yeah, you're correct. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> like that pay for like the fucking pool for the summer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the fucking yeah, the, it's offset the perk that we're thinking it's a perk to sit diagonal. But if the kid wasn't around, you could sit in the 
exit row or that. <laughs> exactly. I mean, they're they're First a liability row. no matter how you slice or dice it. Bastards. Yep. They, they ah. take take your hopes, your dreams, and your leg room. Oh, that's okay. the, that is the that a cat. You hear that? She's downstairs. Yeah. It was a ringer or something. <laughs> no, it is. She, she found her uh, catnip toy, so she's mm. uh, she's feeling good. <laughs> All right, solve that problem. <laughs> wow. I always say I'd rather go to a lake than to the beach. I'd rather like ski then surf i'd rather like i don't know like i just i i uh, i i like the cold actually i hate being hot i hate sweating oh it's like to me the worst feeling in the world is just like feeling sweat like beating down like your your fucking head you're like like right down your spine <laughs> sweating in your butt crack there are a couple, there like, are a couple of days yeah I could feel the sweat from my head dripping onto my neck and back I'm yeah like, and you're just like this, I'm, I'm this pouring this how we're supposed to live yeah I mean this is this America <laughs> watching these fucking where I went and looked at those houses there's a lot of construction so I'm watching these fucking guys work their balls off I'm sweating in a fucking car with AC. I'm like, this guy's going to die out here. Yeah, exactly. I'm not built for that. Right? I mean. But I got I, lucky. I got leaving Vegas, though. I mean, the fucking week before we left, it was insane. It was like, you know, one fucking 14, 115 every day. So that adjustment to humidity when I first got there wasn't even bad. Because even with that crazy humidity, yeah, I was sweating. But I, it was so fucking hot here. It wasn't even, it wasn't hot. I was just sweaty, if that makes sense. Like, I wasn't hot until probably two days ago. It was, it was fairly comfortable minus the sweat. I, I mean, yes, I, I I do understand. I'm actually just thinking more and more about the finances of moving to Florida. I would probably spend as much on sunblock as I would save in paying state taxes. Because <laughs> I would have to put it on every single day in my life. <laughs> like just go outside for like more than an hour. It would be this is shade. Florida, you get a little break with clouds and fucking trees. Vegas, you're just cooking. Yeah, you're wide there's, open. Yeah. There's nothing blocking you. There's never mm. never a cloud. No fucking trees big enough to actually, you know, a palm if you want to stand perfectly. Yeah. No, that's the intent. Straight. They want you they want you to see everything. You know, they don't want anything <laughs> obstructed. <laughs> you know, trees out there. Uh, oh, okay. That was nice. 